Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning. We're very thankful to have you here with us. Tune in with us every week here on the radio or by podcast. If you're listening on a podcast, be sure and hit subscribe so you're notified of our new episodes as they are released. If you happen to be in the North Mississippi area, we'd invite you to come to Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church. We're right on Highway 15 in Ackerman, Mississippi. Very easy to find. Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist. Church is at 40283 on Wolf Road outside Caledonia, Mississippi. Both of our churches meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. And then we also have a midweek service in Starkville, Mississippi at the La Quinta Inn beginning at 6 o'clock p.m. every Wednesday night. Go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. You can get caught up on past messages. Also, you can go to Macedonia's website, macedonia-pbc.org. We have a lot of sermons there, writings, and content that we hope can be beneficial for you. Also, be sure and download Grace Alone radio app. That's gracealone.net to be able to download that for 24-7 Primitive Baptist Christian content. We're very thankful to just have the ability to bring these messages to you over this platform by the radio, by the internet, and by podcast. And we certainly hope they're a blessing to you. If they are, we would love to hear from you. Please contact us. Please email us. You can find our email contact information at God gospel-of-grace.com. We would love to hear from you. This morning, we'd like to continue our series on prayer and look at James chapter 5, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. So we'll bring that message for you right after this song. Hope you can stay tuned with us here on the program this morning.
Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast here today. This morning we'd like to continue our thoughts on prayer. From Luke chapter 11, we've been trying to answer the question that the disciples presented to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And what is the manner in which we are to pray? We've considered the model prayer. We have considered laboring fervently in prayer from Colossians chapter 4 and in verse 12. I hope that we've seen together the intensity and the fervency with which we are to beseech the throne of grace. Prayer is not a casual action. There's supposed to be some intensity and some fervency and some labor associated with that. So in conjunction with that thought of laboring fervently in prayer, we'd like to go to James chapter 5 and look at that passage considering prayer, particularly the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James chapter 5 Beginning in verse 13, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that she may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So first of all, we see here, what is the remedy for affliction? What's the remedy when we feel overwhelmed and consumed with the affliction and the turmoil and the pain of this world. What is our remedy for affliction? It's to pray. It's to bring those petitions before the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And certainly that's what we stand in need of, right? We need grace to help in time of need. So when we're afflicted, what do we do? We bring those petitions, we bring those burdens unto God because God knows what we stand in need of. God knows the burdens of our heart. He knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And that shouldn't be a scary thing. Instead, that should be an encouraging thing that God knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart, that the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us in our prayers with groanings that cannot be uttered. We are thankful that God has blessed us in this way to be able to approach the throne of grace, to provide relief and consolation and peace and comfort during our times of affliction. So what is our default reaction when we endure affliction? It should be to pray, right? It should be to bring those petitions before the Lord. Is any merry, let him sing psalms. God's people should be the most happy, joyful, merry people in the world. And what should we be doing to reflect that merriness? We should be singing. We should be singing praise unto God. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name 
name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So when someone is sick in a very serious way, if they have a illness such as cancer or some other terminal illness or some other severe affliction, it is appropriate if they feel so inclined to call for the elders of the church, the ordained ministry, to lay hands on them, to pray over them. And we trust not that that action is necessarily has a healing effect, but that is just a action of faith and trust in God as the great physician. You know, we have no ability to heal anyone. The anointing oil here is not going to medically heal anyone. Instead, we are simply showing our dependence upon God as the great physician to heal them. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. That doesn't mean if we pray for someone to be healed and they're not healed, we pray according to God's will. If they're not healed, that doesn't mean that we weren't praying in faith. That just means that wasn't God's will for them to be delivered from that affliction, at least here in this world. Everyone is delivered from affliction, but sometimes that deliverance comes from passing all of the cares and the trials of this world and being done with it. It says in Isaiah, sometimes we forget that the righteous are taken away from the evil to come. So even when from our perspective, our prayers are not answered and someone is not healed from sickness here in this world, that doesn't mean that God didn't answer that prayer. No, many times he answers by way of healing, but it's perfect eternal healing, not temporal healing for them to endure another illness and to endure all the evil and the pain of this world. So it is appropriate when someone is sick to call for the elders of the church and to have the church pray over them and to request the members of that church to pray fervently on their behalf. And we trust if it's according to God's will that they would be healed in a mighty way. And we've seen that from time to time, that people have had hands laid on them in the context of the church and they've prayed over them and God has miraculously healed them. And we give God the glory for that. But we also never need to diminish that. We don't need to look at that and say, well, God's probably not going to answer well. Notice the prayer of faith right? We need to believe that God is able, that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, but we also submit to God's will. We also submit to the fact that ultimate healing doesn't happen in this world. Sometimes God gives them perfect healing, but his perfect healing is taking them home to eternal glory. So the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise them up. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. There should be an intimacy in our churches that we can be open and authentic with our close friends in that body. Now, that doesn't mean that every Sunday we have a time where everyone stands up and tells all of the sins that they committed that week. That's not beneficial for them, and it's not beneficial for the body either. That's not what we're talking about here. But you should have close personal friends that you have fellowship with in the church, that you discuss your struggles with. We need that type of intimacy in the church. I believe many times our churches are very superficial. We come and we shake one another's hand. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We sit in the same room for an hour and a half. We shake one another's hand and say, well, have a good week. I'll see you again next week. That's not church, people. That's not church. There should be an intimacy of connection between the members of the church that we can discuss the struggles that we're going through on a weekly basis and also have enough connection with them and trust with them and intimacy with them to where I can tell them 
I've messed up. I can confess my faults with them. And you should have accountability with them to say, listen, brother, I'm struggling with this right now. And I'm afraid that I'm going to struggle with it this week. And I want you to hold me accountable. I'm confessing my sin to you. I'm entrusting you with it, that you'll forgive me for it. But I'm also trusting you that you're going to encourage me and hold me accountable for that. We need to have that type of intimacy in the church, not this superficial relationship where we pretend like we've got it together. (laughs) I don't know why people want to act like that in the church, especially old Baptists. We know better than anybody. Nobody's got it together. We're all wretched sinners. And even those of us that have been born again, we have that Romans 7 struggle every single day. The good that I want to do, I don't do it right. The bad stuff I don't want to do, I keep on doing it. Oh, wretched man that I am. We all have that struggle. So why would we show up at church and pretend like we've got everything together? (laughs) You don't have everything together, and I don't either. We don't need to give the pretense that we do. Confess your faults to your trusted confidants in the church and have them hold you accountable. But also, another reason why you want to have that open, honest confession is so that they can pray for you, so they can pray specifically for this besetting sin that you're struggling with this week, so they can pray specifically for this burden or this situation or this decision. Whatever you're going through, confess your faults one to another so we can pray specifically for them. I pray for every member of our church individually every day, but I want to know the individual struggles they're having so I can pray specifically for that. And if we really understand the effect that prayer makes, we should want people to know those things. I mean, I'm a very private person by nature. I don't put my business all out on the street. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just telling everybody everything and dumping on everyone all the problems you're having all the time. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about requesting people to pray for you, for God to bless you in the specific circumstance that you're going through. And we should want that. Why should we want that? Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It makes a big difference. I mean, I've experienced that in my life. There's circumstances that I've kept to myself and it seems like I just struggled and I plotted through them and it seems like I was just walking through the mud all the time. But there's been other times that I've went through very challenging circumstances, but I let some people in on it. I requested prayer and it gave me so much confidence, first of all, to know they were praying for me. But then I also saw that God answered those prayers. I mean, if you really believe in the power of prayer. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe in the power of prayer that there is a difference that is made in the life of the child of God, whether we're sick and we're praying for healing or whether we're in a stressful situation and we need peace and wisdom? It doesn't matter the circumstance. Do you believe in the power of prayer? If you believe in the power of prayer, then why would you not tell people what you need prayer for? right? Why would you keep to yourself your burdens? Why would you keep to yourself and pretend like you've got everything together when everybody knows you don't? If we really believe in the power of prayer, why would we not request prayer for those that we believe to be righteous and for those that we believe will diligently pray for us? Why? Because I want them beseeching the throne of grace on my behalf. I need more petitions going up before the throne of grace. I want that. Why? Because I believe in the power of prayer and I trust the people that I'm telling this to, not that they're going to spread my business all over the place, but that they're going to not 
tell somebody else about it. Not they're going to gossip about it. The only person they're going to tell about it is Jesus Christ in prayer. Amen. If we really believe that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, then why would we not confess our faults and request prayer for those that we trust and those that we love, especially when we have confidence that they are a praying person? And I want to be that person. I want to be one of those people that people feel like that their prayers make a big difference. And I certainly don't feel like that's the case. I feel so inadequate in my prayers. If there's anything that I've learned in this prayer series, it's how inadequate and how much of a failure I am in prayer. But there are some people that I look at them and I know they struggle as well. I know they're not perfect. I know they're just like Elijah. They're a man or a woman of like passions just like me. I know that. But there are some people that when I'm going through a difficult time, I want to ask prayer of them because I know the intensity of their prayer life. I know the diligence of it. I know that they're a righteous person and I believe that they pray effectually and they pray fervently and they labor in prayer for you. Those are the kind of people that I want praying for me. Amen. And those are the people that I usually gravitate to when I'm going through a difficult time. I don't just ask some lukewarm show up every now and then church member to pray for me when there's a great need. No, I ask the people who I know are beseeching the throne of grace without ceasing. The people who I trust to their prayer life. Those are the people that I really want praying for me during my times of greatest need. And not in a prideful way, but I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people that people look at me and say, you know what? I believe that his prayers make a difference. I want him praying for me. Again, not in a prideful way, but I just want to live in such a way that people have that confidence in me because there's some people in my life that I have that confidence in and I want them praying for me. I want to do, tell them this immediate need situation because I know that they are gonna bring it before God and beseech the throne of grace on my behalf. I wanna be one of those people and I certainly don't feel like I am, but I hope that God will bless me to be more effectual and more fervent in my prayers. So we see we need to confess our faults one to another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means it makes a big difference, right? Effectual describes something being effective or active and vibrant. This is not a dormant prayer life. It says in Luke chapter 18, hopefully we'll consider that very soon about persistence in prayer. Jesus gave this parable that men ought always to pray and not to faint because we can get weary in well-doing. We can get weary in our prayer life. We, we ought to pray and not to faint. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, it says it avails much. In other words, it makes a big impact. It's not just neutral. No, it avails much. It makes a big difference. But notice, not just casually praying. That's when we go back to the example of Epaphras, laboring fervently for you. Not just a quick little prayer before you go to bed. Not just a quick little prayer before you eat your meals. No, we're talking about laboring fervently in prayer. This word fervent means heat. It means to bring to a boiling point. It means to glow from heat, such as a metal. I mean, that's the intensity that our prayers should have. So if we're casual in our prayer life, we should expect God to be very casual in answering. Now, I'm so thankful that God is so long-suffering and merciful and loving to us, and he gives us what we don't deserve even when we don't pray like we ought to. And I praise God that that's the case. But we need to, as I heard a sister who was going through a severe medical problem recently describe it, we need to be storming 
storming the gates of heaven. Amen? We need to be storming the gates of heaven with our prayers, effectually and fervently praying, not just for ourselves, but for other people. But you'll notice there is an intensity here. There is a heat, and heat only comes through activity, all right? So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. It makes a big difference. And we want to be effectually and fervently praying unto Almighty God. And then we have this example of effectual fervent prayer. So he introduces it here, but what's the example of effectual fervent prayer that the Holy Spirit gives us here in James chapter 5? It's Elijah. Verse 17, Elias, which is Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now, this example of effectual fervent prayer of Elijah, and Elijah was a man or a woman, for the sisters listening this morning, a man or a woman subject to like passions. In other words, sometimes we read these people in the Bible, and we're like, man, their faith was so strong. They had boldness in prayer, boldness in faith. They didn't have any problems. Well, we know that's not the case with Elijah. I'm so thankful for the authenticity of Scripture. We see a man after God's own heart, David, but we see the struggles that he had. We saw the sins that he had, but we also see the struggles that he had in his own heart expressed in the book of the Psalms. We see Paul, you know, the bold Paul who is preaching in power and demonstration of the Spirit and establishing all these churches. Man, I wish I had a faith like Paul. But then at the same time, the Holy Spirit lets us know that Paul said, when I was before you in Corinth, I was before you in fear and much trembling. You know, he was a man that struggled just like we struggled. And Elijah was a man who struggled just like we struggled. Just two chapters later, he, he calls down this drought in the beginning of 1 Kings 17. Then in 1 Kings 18, they make their way to the end of this drought, and he calls down fire from heaven. He prays earnestly to God, and then it does rain. But then, just a couple days later, after this amazing victory and display of God's power on Mount Carmel, just a few days later, Jezebel threatens him. He runs, he runs away, and he said, Lord, take my life. It's not worth living anymore. I mean, this is a man of highs and lows, just like us. A man of peaks and valleys, of mountaintops and struggling times. He goes from literally being on the mountaintop to being suicidal and depressed and discouraged just within a couple of days. Does that sound like your life? Now, you may not have been suicidal, but we go through highs and lows every single day, mixtures of joy and sorrow we daily do pass through. Again, I'm thankful for the authenticity of Scripture. We don't read these accounts of men only in the good times. We read the accounts of these men in the bad times. We see their struggles, and part of the reason for that with Elijah and Paul and David and so many other of God's people that we see given to us in the scriptures, we are given that glimpse to realize they're just like us. They're just like me and you. You know, this is not a person that was given a extra portion 
of faith or an extra portion of grace or an extra portion to pray fervently. No, they're people just like us. They get discouraged just like us. They get depressed just like us. They make mistakes and they sin just like us. But then that man who is subject to those same passions, we see him powerfully praying and God answering that prayer. You want to talk about the prayer of faith. Could you imagine standing before the king and saying, I'm about to pray and it's not going to rain for three and a half years? That's boldness. That's faith, right? That's praying in faith. And then the boldness facing off against 800 of those false prophets of Baal. He prayed at the beginning of the drought for it not to rain. Now boldly praying at the end of the drought for it to rain when people probably thought it was never going to rain again and we're all going to die. You see, he prayed boldly unto God, both in the beginning and the end, and notice God answered their prayer both times, both times. And you can go back there and read that in 1 Kings chapter 18. We're not necessarily given the wording of his prayer to begin the drought, but we are given the wording in Scripture of his prayer to end the drought. The effectual fervent prayer of Elijah, after it hadn't rained for three and a half years, he prayed and God sent rain for his people. You see, that is the example of effectual fervent prayer. But again, we're reminded that Elijah was a man just like us right? He was just like us. The same struggles that we have, the same discouragement, the same doubts, and God answered his prayer. Let's not ever downplay the power of prayer because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it's not just beneficial. It's not just neutral. No, it avails much. It makes a huge difference, and we need to be diligent, faithful disciples. If, if God has made you righteous by his imputed righteousness in your heart, and hopefully you're living righteously, serving him, if we're living a righteous life and we've been made righteous by Jesus Christ, let us storm the gates of heaven on the behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray effectually. Let's pray fervently. Let's bring it to a boil. Let's bring it to heat. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. And let's be found praying effectually, praying fervently, laboring fervently in prayer, knowing that God will add his blessing to our faithful diligence and commitment to pray unto him. We hope to continue our thoughts on prayer during our next message. And until that time, we pray the Lord will richly bless you and hopefully will continue to encourage and strengthen your prayer life, remembering that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man and a righteous woman avails much. May God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. 
This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.